Clown Wagons a horror culture chivalry show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are approaching Christmas. We've got a double episode week for you. Yes, within the festive spirit. Two gifts. Yeah. Yeah, gifts. Use use that word lightly. Yeah. Um sticking with the theme of December of talking about absolute fucking dog shit. Uh arguably Actually, do you, know, do you know what? No, no, it's not even the worst. Nowhere near as bad as Karate Christmas Miracle. This might be the most fun film I've discussed so far this month. And I, again, I use the word fun lightly as well. Yeah, I think you're confusing the word fun with the word stupid. Yeah. This might be one of the most stupid films we've ever watched, particularly for Christmas. Yeah, I really, I'm not sure how they came about the ideas of this film. I, I genuinely feel like they may have picked ideas out of a hat because this is fucking ridiculous. So incoherent. It makes no sense. We are, of course, talking about the straight-to-video, shot-on-video classic, Elves from 1989. Elves, yes. Um, let's just start with the title. Let's just, just, just go there. Elves, it's not... There's one elf. There's one elf. And it barely, barely a fucking elf. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It looks like, uh, it looks like the creatures from the descent, except shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of some mannequin-y, weird, gargoyle-y thing being pushed around. When you say mannequin thing, this is honestly ridiculous. I mean, it's the 80s. You get a lot of creature features where... They're on a micro budget, but the effects for the creatures look really good. I mean, even Sorority Babes in the Slime Ballarama, the, the imp in that doesn't look terrible. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Critters, Gremlins, the Ghoulies, you know, The Gate, so many. This is by far the worst creature effects I've seen in any 80s horror film. Maybe in any horror film ever. It is literally just a doll being thrown around. Yeah, really. <laughs> and then... For half, well, for the majority of the film, you can't see the fucking no, thing. No, And then the big reveal, and you're like, oh, is that it? Yeah. Like, the facial expressions never change. It's literally just someone just pushing this little doll around. And yeah. And it looks awful. It is. It looks awful. Um, but yeah, it's called Alves for some reason. <laughs> um, written and directed by Jeffrey Mandel, who directed Cyber Chic and Turnaround. Now, Cyber Chic looks good. It does. It does. <laughs> Co-written by Mike Griffin, it's his only film, and Bruce A. Taylor, who wrote Annihilator, Instant Karma, Dead at 21, Inferno, oh. Disguised on Fire, Ice, Housewarm, uh, <laughs> that's how I said Housewarm, Hal Swarm. Oh, if we said House, I actually thought you said Housewarm. The Brave One, Open Graves, and more. Yes, I'd say this a lot on the podcast this month. This film, written by three fucking people. Yeah, three men. Yeah. Let's make that three, abundantly three men clear who definitely made use of the drugs budget of this film. The, there wasn't a drugs budget. There, well, apparently there's no budget, because I can't find one. And no. there's also no trivia, and there's also no box office, so I can't tell you how this did. I feel like it's got a sort of cult resurgence, but not for the right reasons. Uh, people know what it is. And... It was featured in the bad movie Bible. Yeah, it was also on In Search of Darkness Part 3 as well. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. yeah, but there's no history about this film, which is a shame because I really want to know how this fucking came about. I really do. 
three men sat in a room and threw out random shit, and we we're like, how are we meant to put that into a yeah? But this is like th this is ambitious. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I like the ideas. It just doesn't. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Let's mm. let's find out who's in it first. In a section we like to call, hey, I know you. And we do know Dan Haggerty as Mike McGavin. I know, twice this month, uh, yeah. Dan Haggerty. I'm, I'm not going to tell you if he was in, but I will tell you who he is, the Christmas light narrator who was a victim of a Hollywood Walk of Fame typo. Um, This is post-cocaine uh, a conviction. Yeah, it's post-cocaine gay, and you can tell. Um, I think he still had some on him during this. His performance in this film... It might be one of my favourite performances of all time. This is just stunning. He is wooden. <laughs> he is just as lifeless as the elf. It is jaw-dropping watching it is, him. It's ridiculous. Considering he was... Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. Well, I've never seen Grizzly Adams. And after this month, I ain't going to watch Grizzly Adams. What was shocking to me is that this guy is top build. You know, he's yeah. the most famous person. He has the most experience in acting, uh -huh. but he is by far the worst actor in the film. And there's some bad acting in this film, yeah. but he is by far the worst. He's atrocious. Yes. Lifeless. Makes it so much more entertaining to watch. Oh my god, he might as well have been made of stone. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It, it, it just makes me laugh how they try to write him in as some sort of action hero at certain points, but he's just putting no effort in whatsoever. No effort whatsoever. Uh, Julie Austin plays Kirsten. Uh, she was in SIS, Extreme Justice, Superforce, Smooth Talker, Night of the Wildin, Twisted Justice, and Fatal Exposure. Oh, uh, have we watched Fatal Exposure? We haven't, but it'd be nice to. Are you shocked that she only has six of her credits? No, I'm not. No? No. no. Our uh, hero of the film? Question mark. Question mark. Uh, the real hero of <laughs> the <laughs> cast. Deanna Lund, who plays Kirsten's mother. Oh, she doesn't get a name, by she the way. She doesn't get a name. The only member of Kirsten's family who gets a name is an annoying little brother. His name's Willie. Um, and there's problems with him being called Willie, considering something that happens in the film. Uh, Deanna Lund, Sting of Death, Hammerhead, mm. Boned, Land of the Giants, Batman 60s TV series, The Waltons, Witch Story, Transylvania Twist, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, and lots more. And you can tell she was in a lot of those more camp projects considering the performance she delivers in this she's acting like she's in dynasty yeah she sounds like a b-movie queen yeah really maybe we should investigate i mean she slays it and she does she does um <laughs> kind of ya yassifying child abuse <laughs> and animal abuse and animal abuse <laughs> and it's oh, okay yeah we'll get into it yeah let's... bora silver <laughs> Plays Kirsten's grandfather. He was in Escape from New York, Blue Collar, Washington Behind Closed Doors, Knight Rider, Charlie's Angels, and more. Wow, I was surprised that he wasn't in more German cinema. No? Yeah, what, because, what are you surprised for? Because of how incredibly German he He's is. He's very German. Very, very German. German. Do you mean that was a put on accent? Maybe. Oh my Maybe. god, shocking. Okay, 
I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. In a bizarre series of events, it's our feature presentation. An innocent romp in the woods turns into a hellish nightmare when an evil force is accidentally awakened. Action International Pictures presents the gruesome holiday shocker, Elves. She is the most important person on Earth. From her will grow the new order. Santa must expose this unholy force before the elves destroy Christmas. Jesus Christ. working for Santa anymore. We get opening credits with murder mystery style score. I felt like I was about to watch Murder, She Wrote. How dare you? This is a murder mystery score. This sounded like the Murder, She Wrote theme. Uh, we get Christmas decorations and a bauble smashing. We're then introduced to... A really cheap looking title yeah, card. Yeah, like, it is. But no effort into it whatsoever. The whole thing kind of feels like it's a home video. Now, I understand it was shot on video. And... The shot on video style, particularly in the 90s, has a very specific feel to it. Mm. Um, where, it, you know, it looks cheap and it has a little bit of charm to it. This genuinely looks like a home video, though. Like, this this looks awful. There's no style to this whatsoever. Well, yeah. Was it shot on video? I, I believe I so, yeah. I mean, it definitely looks like yeah. it. Absolutely. But you'd think with bigger names... Well, like Dan Hector, but I suppose he probably was a little cocaine gate rather washed up by that point. He needed the work. Yeah. He, may I remind you the Christmas light? Yes, of course. <laughs> also, like the Who Christmas knows what light. That was shot on? <laughs> Much like the Christmas light, he explains everything that happens in this film. Is this a Dan Haggerty joke? Is this an in joke? I don't know. Because in the Christmas light, he literally describes every single scene as you watch it. In this, everything that happens is like, oh, well, that happened there. Oh, then this happened. He literally, he describes everything. He's in a library fucking talking out loud at one point, reading the book. He can't stay quiet. Again, I have I have no need to watch Grizzly Adams now. If it's <laughs> anything like this. Or any, his acting is anything like it is in this. Uh, teenager Kirsten accidentally cuts her hand during an anti-Christmas pagan ritual with her friends Brooke and Amy in the woods. They're doing this because one of them wants a man... One of them didn't get good presents last year and they just hate the commercialism of Christmas. They do. Yeah, apparently Amy just wants Dave. And, <laughs> and strangely, Kirsten herself believes as women, or the master race, as she refers to them <laughs> as, they have ultimate power and can control everything. Yeah. Now, in the context of the rest of the film... That is some fucking iffy dialogue. It is, yeah. Um, For your final girl. She... Spoiler alert, she's our final girl. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's some fucking Nazi references there. Yeah. Very, very strange. Um... She's drawn a picture of a lady. A very nice picture. Oh, yeah, she's a great artist. Like a pagan lady whose breasts are on display. And they said, what's that? She says, that's the virgin of anti-Christmas. And her two pals go, virgin? Ew. 
So we kind of know what we're in for here. So we have a great dialogue. We have to get close to Mother Earth. Get real, Kirsten. Get over it, Amy. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> three men wrote this film. Three men wrote this film. And I don't think they've ever met a woman. Uh, another bit of my favourite dialogue. Hey, isn't that your grandfather's book? Yeah, he said never to come out here. Royal bust if he finds out. <laughs> Royal bust. Oh, was that... So was the, was the virgin of anti-Christmas? Yeah. Was she in the grandfather's book? Potentially. I mean, I'd like to think Kirsten drew it. I drew thought it, Kirsten but... drew it. It's very confusing. It's also very, very dark in this scene. Really stupidly dark. Her spilled blood awakens an ancient demonic Christmas elf. And I may sound a bit deflated reading that because I've just put two and two together. Yes. And realised what this film is kind of standing for, what it might be an allegory for. What? 1989. Her spilled blood awakens an ancient demon Christmas elf. Spoiler alert, she ends the film by stabbing said ancient demon elf, brought to life by blood, by calling it an F-slur. Oh, oh, you don't think? I kind of think so. Ugh. That just makes it so much worse. Yeah. It may have lost its love heart on Letterbox from me. Yeah. Oh, now hearing that out loud. Yeah. Um, I didn't even click on it at the time, and now I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Ooh. Makes sense. What doesn't make sense is how convenient this spilt blood is. Yeah. Considering the context of the rest of the film. It's true. And this that's what makes it even worse. This is so unnecessary because, I mean, there's a billion ways they could have brought this out to life. Well, this is... Well, spoiler alert. I might as well explain myself. So, Kirsten happens to be anti-Christmas. She happens to do an anti-Christmas pagan ritual mm. in the woods. She happens to spill her blood yeah. in the woods, which awakens this demonic Christmas elf. Mm-hmm. Now, spoiler for the rest of the film, this demon elf needs to procreate with Kirsten before Christmas Day. Yeah. So this is a huge coincidence mm -hmm. that she happened to be anti-Christmas in the woods right before Christmas, spilt her blood, all that shit. And yeah, obviously, of course, it's a ridiculous film, but it, it's lazy writing. I was going to say, it's probably the thing that makes the most sense yeah. in the film. Um, so she goes home, uh, gets slapped by her grandfather, uh, who, from his wheelchair. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're a silly bitch. And then like a few seconds later, he's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Like literally he changes at the click of a finger. It's almost as if he's given a bad impression of Peter Sellers in Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. The accents, mm -hmm. the flailing arms, mm. you know, the hidden Nazi yeah. history. Um, I feel like that's what they're going for. I think so. I, I do. And the more I'm thinking about it, the more I generally think these three guys have sat down. They've just thrown shit out there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I watched Dr. Strangelove the other day. Why don't we have this? Oh, well, why don't we make them Nazis? Oh, you know, the AIDS crisis is ongoing mm. why don't we make a reference to that yeah. to either one which is the most likely cause be homophobic mm -hmm. or two be layered and interesting yeah. you know what's 
What's interesting to me is the fact that um, bringing a bit of uh, 80s horror history into this that we learned from In Such a Darkness is that back then when video stores were launched, they got so big and it took off so much to the point that they would literally commission people to make films so they could rent them out. Yeah. Do you think this is a case of that? Yeah, no, of course. No, I, I genuinely think that because, let's be honest, the title Elves yeah. and... The poster. The poster are great. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I was killing me intrigued. You know, I really wanted to watch this film. I didn't realise until we'd already announced it for the podcast exactly what it was about. Mm -hmm. I actually thought this was meant to be a, not a good but a decent slasher film at Christmas. Yeah. Mm, yeah uh, we all have a bit of optimism. Yeah, I know. I should have done my research. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, Kirsten's mother's introduced. Yeah. Uh, she's fuming with her about going into her grandfather's room without permission. So she decides two slaps from her grandfather won't stick with her enough. She's deleting her savings account instead. Um, Kirsten... She's angry. <laughs> she is. Kirsten's angry. Now... How how does she deal with that anger? By getting in the shower. By getting in the shower and rubbing the side of her head by her temples yeah. angrily in yeah. the shower. Like um, we all do when we're annoyed. Our savings account's been closed. Let's just give our temples a very vigorous rub in the shower. She's not even washing her hair. She's no. just like, her hands. Yeah. Giving herself a fucking headache. Someone else is about to give her a headache. Um... Yeah. In a bizarre series of events that actually seems to be rather popular back in the 70s and 80s. Um, well, there's one famous example. The Funhouse, but I swear this also happened in Night of the Demons as well. Um, Kirsten's little brother, Willie, in his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pyjamas, uh, starts spying on her in the shower. So she comes out of the shower, he's like, you little pervert. He's like, I'm not a pervert, I like seeing naked girls. And she says, I'm your fucking sister. And he says, and we had to pause the film and go back because we could, could not believe this dialogue. And I believe this is probably the most famous slam dialogue in the film. Yeah. He says, yeah, and you've got fucking big tits and I'm going to tell everyone I saw them. Willie, a eight-year-old, seven-year-old, would we say? Yeah. Uh, younger than ten. Yeah. And the line, the, the, the line delivery, <laughs> it, it's just words. It's like he doesn't even know what he's saying. It's just, it just comes out and that's what makes it even funnier. It's just ridiculous. You could tell that the actor, though, knew he was saying something naughty. <laughs> I was relishing in it. It's like, I would never get away with saying this at home. I'm saying. Um, he again goes on to say, mom says she's given me all your money, so fuck you. <laughs> Oh, uh, the eighties were a very different time. Yeah, Kirsten was Kirsten wrestles with him for a bit. Yeah, um, on, uh, awkwardly on the bed. On the bed, while someone watches from the window. The elf <laughs> watches from the window. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with the voice? <laughs> the way he says, just going back slightly. Mm. I'm not a pervert. I like watching naked girls. Yeah. Is that insinuating that if you don't like watching naked girls, then you are a pervert? It, most likely. There we go. Most likely. Also, it wasn't only, like, 
a few weeks back on the podcast when we were like, oh, do you remember um, when it was shocking to hear kids swearing? This is one of those occasions. This is, yeah, this is swearing, but it's also like... Talking about your sister's tits. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, this is free grown men this is writing this for a child to say. It's so... And it's creepy enough in the fun house. Yeah. When... Uh, doesn't he take a photo of uh-huh. the topless? Yeah. Very, very strange. The 80s were a very, very strange time. I blame cocaine. Yeah. Oh, God. This is only... Uh... Oh, about... Actually, it's about nine years removed from uh, Amityville 2 with all the incest in that as well. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. Um, little we're introduced <laughs> to... Incest in film. Uh, <laughs> we're introduced... What's it called? World Tangent? <laughs> Merry Christmas. We're introduced to... Um, the time of the year for the whole family. Uh, we're introduced to the cats. We are. So can Agamemnon. <laughs> Agamemnon. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. That she'd go to the effort to call the fucking cat Agamemnon. That doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? It's a strange one. <laughs> because I was hearing it as Agamemnon. That is, that's what it Ag- Agamemnon was a soldier in the... Trojan War, <laughs> and this cat is female, so I'm thinking they were trying to go for like a witchcrafty name, and for Agamemnon was the one to go with. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it has any relation to witchcraft, but I know Agamemnon as a soldier in the Trojan War. Well, I, I didn't know him personally. Again, I, I, think, I think they were playing Scrabble and they just saw whatever words matched whatever up. And... Words. Well, Kirsten's crying <laughs> to Agamemnon. <laughs> she's having a hard time. Yeah. And uh, she says, I'm a cliche. My cat is my only friend. <laughs> she's living a cliche. She's living it's a cliche. It's finally happened. Bless her. <laughs> yeah, she talks about how she... Which is so strange because... Her cat isn't her only friend in the world. No, it's not. But she has two friends that have been <laughs> well established. Um, <laughs> Kristen talks to the cat about how she doesn't mind that she misgendered her and that she got pregnant, but she doesn't want her to run away like the father of her kittens. Okay, I mean, maybe Agamemnon cares about you fucking misgendering her, you bitch. Oh, so Agamemnon is... Okay, so she called the cat Agamemnon... Thinking it was a boy. Thinking it was a boy. Yeah. Then the cat got pregnant and the father <laughs> ran away. And that's how she discovered that the cat was female. Yeah. God, that's, this, that's stupid. This film is fucking insulting. She's she's very stupid. This is so insulting to women, this film. And and it the, is. Clearly not just human women, cats as well. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Like the the I mean an evil uh, elf breaks in, uh, but I, at this point in my notes, I wrote an evil elf. Yet yeah, the only the evil elf. elf breaks in. Yeah. So in the middle of the night, the elf sneaks in and tries to attack Willy. <laughs> uh, the elf is disturbed by Kirsten and her mother. Please, but does scratch Willy in the process. <laughs> um, Kirsten's mother blames the cat Agamemnon. But Willie says, and I quote, it was a fucking little ninja troll. <laughs> so oh. There we 
yeah. And he's never reprimanded for any of this foul No, he's language. not, no. He's never reprimanded. In fact, he randomly becomes a sympathetic character within the last 20 minutes. Like, you'd think he's a different character to the start of the film. Like, he starts talking in a soft voice and... Yeah, he like, does he's, They're trying to protect him. He, like, he better mountain his mouth. the day as well. <laughs> um, unaware of all these sinister goings-on with the elf, the non-festive Kirsten continues to sulk her way through Christmas. She does, Moody. As she works at the snack counter of a local department store. Oh, women. So her friends are back while she's working. I don't... I feel like this film tries to take elements of so many other films. Yeah. So, like, this is giving me fast times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. But also a little, like, Heathers. Yeah. Oh, no, Heathers was the same year. Same year. Same year. Um, yeah, this has given me fast time. Yeah, I'm pretty heartache. sure this would have been made in a week. And if the editing's yeah. able to go by, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure post-production would have took less than that. So so her friends there, I can't remember their name, Amy and something. Brooke. Brooke, Amy and Brooke. And they question Kirsten about her mother. And it's revealed that her mother was 16 when she had her and isn't, in fact, her stepmother like her friends had believed. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, very interesting. Um, question. Yeah. Kirsten and her mother. Weird, blonde, kind of argumentative energy. Mm. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. I did think that when watching it. She was definitely giving, um, Kristen, oh for fuck's sake. Kirsten, Kristen. Kirsten, Kirsten. <laughs> you think? This film was made by the laziest people on the fucking planet. Uh, so it was, it's giving me, yeah. Andale. Yeah, she was absolutely given that energy. They definitely told her to watch that and uh, base her <laughs> yes. performance off it. Um, yeah, they discuss that she's a royal bitch who needs to get laid. Um, the diner looks so fucking cheap. Like, I, I mean, this, this set, could they have not just gone to a real fucking diner somewhere? Um, we're introduced to Mike McGavin, an ex-cop who lost his badge when he lost control of his alcoholism. Jobless, penniless, Mike turns to his old friend, the manager of the department store, for help. But he has no jobs for him currently. Oh, poor Mike. Poor Mike. Poor Mike. Poor man. Poor Mike. Poor man. Jobless. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is meant to be... No. no. No, 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 no. Yeah, I really think they thought they were doing something here. Especially with Mike McGavin. Because there are moments where he'll literally sit down like, Oh, homeless at Christmas. Can't believe it's like this at Christmas. Oh, Christmas. And it's like, do you think you're adding some social commentary here? Is this what you're trying to do? Well, yeah, we don't get his backstory. Well, we do kind of. He was an an, an ex-cop. Uh, and it's his drinking. It's 80s. He's an ex-cop who's an alcoholic. What more do you He's need to alcoholic. know? You don't need to know anything else. What we needed to know, that Chuck Norris wasn't available. Yeah. That's what we or needed Kurt to Russell. know. Or Kurt, well, bloody hell. Um, a kid sits on Santa's lap and tells him he wants a Nintendo for Christmas. Uh, Santa's like, yeah, there's a sale on them in the basement. Go and get it. Yeah. <laughs> and bizarre series Strangely, <laughs> Kirsten and her two friends, Amy and Brooke, are incredibly excited to queue up and sit on Santa's lap. <laughs> Kirsten's the first one up. Sits on his lap. She's she's got a bit of leg showing, mm-hmm. you know. She's I would say being, you know, I mean she's way too old mm-hmm. for 
but she's been a little flirtatious. So yeah. I thought this is her boyfriend or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa fills Kirsten up, like her leg, and Kirsten asks... Wait, do you, do you not have the whole dialogue? I haven't, no. I have. So he Go says... On, give us the dialogue. Oh, what do you want for Christmas, little girl? <laughs> little girl. Um, <laughs> she says, for it not to be Christmas. And he's like, why is that? And he's like, okay, snow, I want snow. And <laughs> he leans in. <laughs> he says, oral. She's like, what? <laughs> and he says, oral. Santa said, oral. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So Santa's telling Kirsten that in exchange for oral sex, he'll make it snow at Christmas. <laughs> Ew. Oh, I just got that. Did we just not watch this oh, film at the time? Like, I mean, how are we only getting all I this now? I've been shocked by the whole fucking thing. Listen, <laughs> what does that even mean? Or give me aura. What the fuck are you talking about? You are literally in the middle of a department store. Yeah. There's many people around. So Kirsten's disgusted. And I, I, was, com- I was really confused because I thought, this was like her boyfriend or someone, mm-hmm. or someone she was flirting with or this. But she's genuinely just wanted to sit on Santa's <laughs> lap. Why? I have absolutely Anti-Christmas no over here. Anti-Christmas. I want to sit on Santa's lap. At, I'm assuming the ripe old age of at least 18 or, or older. And yeah, then she gets harassed by Santa. Mm. Then... An even stranger series of events. We cut to Kirsten's mother. Kirsten's mother, still annoyed at what happened to Willie in the night, puts Agamemnon in a bag Uh and drowns the poor cat in the toilet. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned about how this was filmed. Because, I mean, yeah, the drowning in the toilet scene, fair enough. But when she first grabs Agamemnon, there's no way they had the budget to cut away and use a special effects cat, or if that was even a special effects cat in the first place. Yeah. That was a real cat that she shoved I in a bag. Hope, yeah. There, there was no way that was a double or anything like that. She genuinely put that cat put in the bag. Put that cat in the bag. And we, in great detail, yeah. she puts this bag in the toilet, holds it down. For a very long it's time. Really it's really mean-spirited. So mean-spirited. So there's a lot of things in this film, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I mean, for no reason. It, it doesn't further any plot. Because, spoiler alert, her mum doesn't really do much else, really. I'm just not understanding. Really, I'm struggling with who her mother was as a character. Well, I mean... She's a bitch. The thing is, I understand she's a bitch, and she has a slight meltdown later on, mm. but it's never really explained why. No. She she is like this? Uh, no, no. Um, yeah. The 80s I, were I fucking suppose, weird. I suppose it kind of is, but it's not connected. The film itself doesn't connect them. No. But I'm assuming the reasoning is revealed later on to a certain degree, which is really... Ugh, I really I really can't wrap my head around the 80s sometimes because, I mean, on one hand, it's one of the greatest decades for horror. And on another hand, this came, like, after Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I, I love Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's no secret to anyone. 
Um, but even that, when you look at it realistically, that is a film that does start with sexual assault and also includes child abuse, like an extensive child yeah. abuse. Yeah. I don't know why filmmakers for putting stuff like this and like putting such a graphic animal death into a, and a lot of the other themes in this film. I don't know why they thought putting them into a supposedly fun throwaway 80s creature feature would be such a good idea. It's it's such a weird and you know obviously Silent Night Deadly Night's a slasher film and but just... Silent Night Deadly Night I feel was trying to say something. Mm. It was you know, ham fisted in its approach, and it was tacky and tasteless, but I feel like it was trying to say something mm. about you know, Catholicism yeah. really. Um, this I don't know what it's trying no. This to has say. nothing to say. This has nothing to say. This is what is going to shock an audience the most. Yeah. So we get a completely out of context cat drowning. Mm. No, you know, it's really tasteless. It is. it is shocking. We watch plenty of shocking films, but it leaves a sour taste in the mouth because like, what's the point? You're stupid. Yeah. It's like, what is the reason? What is the purpose? You know, who is this character? How are we meant to feel with this character drowning? Mm this cat we already know she's a bitch yeah so what's the point what what is the reason except yeah. to go shock an audience and make them feel uncomfortable which i suppose is horror but there's a right way of doing it you mm -hmm. know yeah um yeah it's it's just it's very strange it's very strange but you know on one hand we now don't have to say agamemnon anymore I'm good. I'm I'm upset. I mean, is Agamemnon was genuinely the most likable character in the film. Don't even. It's one of those words that I literally every time I've mentioned it in this podcast, I've had to think about it as I've been saying. <laughs> it's been getting on my fucking nerves. Poor Aggie. Poor Aggie. Aggie. There, you should call it Aggie. Santa loses his job after Kristen reports him. Kristen reports him Kirsten, for being a pervert. So you're doing See, it I'm now. doing it now. Yeah. Uh, the department store manager. Tells Kirsten that he could fire them both because she was floating in uniform, but he won't because it's Christmas. Then why the fuck are you firing one of them then? I mean, if if you're saying, because he's saying she's just as bad. Obviously, we disagree. He's The guy was clearly a pervert. Um, but if you're saying they're just as bad, why are you only firing one? Is yeah. it because it'll help with the plot of the film when she breaks back in and because she works there? Absolutely. Santa does cocaine um, and is stabbed to death in a cock by the elf. Funny enough, a lot less <laughs> traumatizing, a lot less traumatizing than the cat death. Yes, absolutely. Um, Kirsten's mother buries the cat, and uh, Kirsten is the number one suspect. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about this dialogue. The, the detectives show. Did you get the dialogue there? <laughs> the detectives show up and like. Nothing like this has happened in 50 years. And the no, other that's, guy... That's the, uh, her manager. Oh, that's her manager? Yeah. What's what's the name of the, the department store? Like, I don't know. I, I can't remember what it was called. So it sounded like Gollum's. Gollum's. Um, yeah. But then like someone that. else said to the manager, like, sign of the times. Is it? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, the detective says to Kirsten, guy tries to fill you up. You slap him. Words are exchanged. He's found dead a few minutes later with his nuts cut off. What should I think? <laughs> she says, he was a pervert and a drug addict. Somebody killed him. Isn't that the spirit of Christmas? <laughs> and the detective's like, no, it isn't. And then it's the end of the scene. That's it. 
<laughs> we move on. Lord forbid helping people. I, I mean, yes, he was a pervert. I mean, I'm still questioning why she was on his lap. In the <laughs> that doesn't excuse. Absolutely. I would never say it would excuse what he did. But still, why is she not getting into trouble for like? Why are you way too old to be sat on his maybe, lap? What are you doing well, lately? Maybe her and her friends were just working hard to get everyone sacked from the department store, just like Gossip Girl. That's exactly what's going on here. Don't bring Gossip Girl into this. <laughs> I, I have no evidence to say otherwise, and that's what's going on here. No. Like, there's no real reason for her to sit on his lap and get him sacked. No. But she knew the guy's a pervert, she's clearly. She's anti-Christmas, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I guess she's, she's tearing Christmas apart, one member of staff at a time. Uh, Kirsten arrives home looking for Agamemnon Rest in peace Her mother informs her that she looks terrible And Kirsten explains about her rough day And she literally, she's like Oh, guy got guy Santa, got, got murdered. Santa got murdered today And then mum's like, I don't find that funny Well, yeah, no, it ain't fucking funny You got murdered But what was it, <laughs> The way she says it is like Oh, yeah, you would do if you've had the day I've had Santa got murdered <laughs> Where's the cat? <laughs> Kirsten then thinks shouting her cat's name at a closed window will help. <laughs> she was in the window. Yeah. Agamemnon. Agamemnon. <laughs> Open the window. It might help, love. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Mike is served a notice of eviction from his ramshackle trailer home. And he sits outside on a step. He's like, how could they do this? Especially at Christmas. How could they do this? Question mark. Question <laughs> <laughs> is it Tom? Please tell me it's not it's about Tom. Um, the elf returns to Kirsten's home and scares her at the window. The elf returns to Kirsten's home and scares her at the window, holding her dead cat, because this film just needed to go there. Hey, look! Look what your mum did. Look the elf's the real did. hero here. Her mother believes it's a raccoon. But her grandfather <laughs> believes it's an elf that killed the cat. Kirsten's mother, very camply, <laughs> may I add. This is such a dynasty scene. This confesses is... to Kirsten's grandfather that she, in fact, killed the cat. Oh, you want to know? I killed the cat. I killed the <laughs> cat. The raccoon may have dragged it to the window, but I killed it. <laughs> She's talking to the fucking pantomime. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just giving ruler length. This has the best dialogue from any film we've discussed this month on the podcast. Easily. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. So many quotable lines here. Yeah. Very weird. Um, tasteless dialogue. <laughs> There's no other word for it. It's just tasteless. Um, so, so Mike's now the Santa at the store, isn't he, by this point? Yes. Um, apparently the manager, who's really horrible to everyone, is an old friend of mine. <laughs> and gets him a job because he needs it, because the other one got murdered. Um, I, yeah, I, well, hang on a minute. Mike literally went to the department store manager a day ago and said, I want that man's job. And then the guy got murdered. Yeah. Uh, why are we not blaming Mike? Why is Kirsten the one being blamed? Exactly. Um... Not sure what Dan Haggerty is going for with this performance. I know we've discussed this earlier, <laughs> but from the get-go, I mean, he's trying to convey sadness, desperation, and he's nothing of the sort. No. Kirsten serves Mike, 
at the Excuse cafe. Me. Yes, Queen, serve him. Serves him some tea. And strangely, they both just start whining to each other <laughs> about their situations. Well, she's whining to him, and he's just making it all about himself. He's that one friend who has to one-up you in everything. <laughs> so, Kirsten didn't sleep last night. Well, I didn't sleep either. <laughs> my cat's just been killed. Well, my dog died when I was younger. <laughs> You think you've got it bad? I've got it worse. <laughs> He's one of them. Yeah, Mike, it's not about you, bitch. What Mike can afford, though, is a large box of camel cigarettes <laughs> conveniently placed for the camera <laughs> to zoom in on. Do you think this entire film was funded by camel funded cigarettes? Funded by camel cigarettes. <laughs> I, ain't got, I ain't got a pot to piss in, but I've got <laughs> 200 camel cigarettes. Mike is, uh, yeah, he's given the job, and immediately he's pissed on by a child. Yeah, he is. So he discovers a symbol he recognises next to where the previous Santa was murdered. Well, he doesn't recognise it. He so doesn't. What, what he's done is he's made a promise, a verbal promise, because he loves talking to himself. <laughs> he's made a promise to himself that he will not try and investigate the murder. He is not a cop anymore. He's a Santa. Hey, he's not a detective anymore. And he's definitely not a store detective anymore. Yeah. Just in case anyone was wondering. And uh, did you get the bit where we talked about reindeers? No. And he said, oh, I'm Santa now. So I need to look after my reindeers. <laughs> like, you're a store Santa? You're not, like a, you're not the real Santa. Um, but he finds this symbol next to where Santa's body was found. Um, seemingly the police being inept and Mike being our intrepid hero, he finds the symbol and they don't. Kirsten's grandfather is visited by some shady German men. <laughs> One of them says, and I was horrified, George Romero should have sued the bitch. He turns to Kirsten's grandfather and says, when there's no more room in hell... The elves will walk the earth. <laughs> the minute that sh that film was released, George Romero should have called up his uh, manager and said, sue the bitch. I know. Did he not learn uh, any lessons from Night of the Dead? Shouldn't he have copyrighted that saying? Oh, don't. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, th there should have been some sort of law. But as saying that, who the fuck watched this? Like, it's true, no one, fucking, it's no one true. told George Romero about this. So, I'm just going to give some backstory now. I feel like this Jesus is the place Christ. to explain what's going on. So, it's not explained fully at this point, but I feel for the purpose of this podcast episode, mm -hmm. we should spill the tea. Yeah. The elf is the central figure in a modern-day neo-Nazi plot to finally bring about the master race with which Hitler had always dreamed of conquering the world. Rather than a race of pure blood Aryans, it is revealed that Hitler instead dreamed of a race of half-human, half-elf hybrids. It is also revealed that elves figured heavily into a pseudo-cult religion that the Nazis practiced in secret. Kirsten is also a figure within this plot, as I explained earlier, as she is the last remaining pure-blooded Aryan virgin in the world, her grandfather being a former Nazi who was once involved in the plot, but is now reformed. 
He, at least it's revealed later, is also her father, as inbreeding was somehow considered crucial to maintaining a pure Aryan bloodline. I did not make that up. That is the plot of the film. Yeah. What the fuck were these three men on? Seriously. Yeah. I have have no idea how they came up with that. How ridiculous. I... (laughs) You can't even begin to imagine. I just don't know how what... to explain how they would come to this. No, no. Like you're making a Christmas horror film. Mm-hmm. It ain't that difficult. No, it shouldn't be this complicated. And you've thrown in this plot about Nazis inbreeding. Yeah. You know what the fuck. Hey. It's a film called Elves. Like, li- you literally could have just had one of Santa's elves has gone rogue. You don't need a fucking explanation for it. It could have been possessed. Who, who gives a shit? Anything. Like, it's so easy. I'm surprised no one's done it since. Maybe they have. It's so easy. Easiest plot to do. Why did you even need to include Nazis, let alone That's... this big elaborate plot? This is the thing. The, the problem is, and we've, you know, we've mentioned it previously in the podcast, particularly in November for Nasty November. If this was a video nasty mm. type of film, they would have had flashbacks. Yeah. They would have, you know, had the whole thing, however cheap it all looked, they would have had the flashbacks. They yeah. would have shown it. And we could say, this is disgusting. This is shit. Yeah. Fuck off. Uh-huh. But what we get isn't expressly shown. Mm. So kind of the question is, what's the point? Yeah. What is the point of all of this? It's just stupid. It is. Now, this isn't played out like a comedy. You know, if it was a far-fetched, mm. tasteless comedy, you know, there have been comedies based around the Nazis and in the, yeah. you know, something like The Producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Strangelove. Mm. You know, though that kind of humour does exist. Mm. But this, I, I thought it was a comedy. The moment I heard Big Fucking Tits. Yeah. I thought this was a comedy, yeah. but it's not. No. It's not play. It's not meant to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. So it just comes across as fucking stupid. Like, yeah. why, why the fuck are you throwing that in there for? Yeah. You're just like a knob. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just shit. And it took three men to come up with that. And it took three men. Well, of course it did, because they all threw shit in there and hoped it kind of resembled anything like a plot. Can you imagine a film trying to get away with that these days? Oh, like, oh my god, I'm so glad we've moved on. Fucking call me woke, call me whatever the fuck you want. I am so glad we are not living in an age where people think throwing shit out like that is okay. That's the thing. You know, we've discussed tasteless films on the podcast. Yeah, a lot of horror films are tasteless mm-hmm. by nature. Yeah. You know, really, what happens in these films. But you can tell when something is there just to i don't just to just a shock there's no reason shock, there's no you know, reason why this needs to exist but what's the purpose of the shock mm. what are you shocking me yeah. for you know with john waters it's there's a humor behind it yeah you know there's a, a very camp nature to mm-hmm. it whereas this you know and it's a film i've never seen but shit like the serbian film and hostel and it's like what are you shocking me for? What is this purpose? Yeah. What is the purpose? Money. What is the reason? You know? Yeah. 
I mean, you know, film's a business. But they fuck are, now. yeah. But c- come on. But come on. There's a void you make money. It's films where there's so many other options as to what could have been done. That's the mo- Those are the most frustrating ones. Because, you know, something like Pink Flamingos that could not have been done any other way. That had to have been done the way it was for it to exist. It makes sense. You know, there's so many shocking films out there that they exist and they've got a reason for existing and they're shocking. But you literally, come on, the amount of ideas you could have had for this film. How? How? Like, even if you just stuck to the Nazi thing, why was the incest thing in there? Why Why is the inbreeding in there? What's that got to do with yeah, anything? Yeah, what is the purpose? Of that? that's, that's the kind of bit that's a bit over there. I, I feel like they're trying to say, fuck you to Nazis, let's call them inbreds. Well, that's that's lovely, but I mean, everyone knows Nazis are fucking terrible people. You don't have to tell us they were fucking inbreeding people to let us know that they were bad people. It's fucking bullshit. But then, I mean, the grandfather's, I mean... Kind of exonerated by the end of the film. Yeah, really. But that—that's the plot. So yeah, th- that's the idea. That's what we're going with mm-hmm. in this film, unfortunately. Somehow. So Kirsten and the girls—they're planning some sort of fun for later on. So they're gonna have uh, a little kind of party, chopping mall style. Yeah. In the uh, department store with their three fellas. Oh. I don't know the relationships they want to get with, they don't want to get with. Mm-hmm. It's three women and three men. Um, Kirsten wants to do it because it will help her forget her situation and also will help her write her poetry. Yeah. Um, some great poetry by uh, one of the friends. Amy. Amy, who says, Life is long and life is hard. Kevin's is thick and Dave's is a yard. Oh. And Brooke's like, is it really a yard? <laughs> Um, Mike, despite promising <laughs> himself and the viewers that he wouldn't investigate Santa's murder, mm-hmm. decides to go and investigate Santa's murder because of that symbol. Um, he goes to the library to read a book on the occult and asks the librarian where to find a book that he remembered from college. <laughs> like, well, what? <laughs> anyway. And it's something, the book's called something about the occult. And uh, she points him in the right direction. Section 666. To which Dan, and I'm saying Dan Haggerty now, turns and says, is that a joke? You've got to be kidding me. Lifeless. Lifeless. Someone should have checked Dan Haggerty's pulse during this film. He, but he then sits there and starts uh, reading all of his research out loud. And someone in the library's like, shh. And he turns around and shushes them back. <laughs> and then walks off. He finds the book, but the, the page that he needs has been ripped out. And uh, yeah, he gets shushed and goes, shh. And he walks off. <laughs> uh, without a proper home, Mike sneaks into the store at night to sleep in the storage room and lift... Off of the uh, snack counter leftovers. Wherever he lays his hat, that's yeah, his home. Yeah, that's true. One night, uh, whilst talking to himself again, he hears Kirsten and her friends, uh, now they've broke well, this him. This is the same night. It's the same night. I was a little confused. Night. Yeah, this was the um, same night. So they, they, neither of them, he's not, this is his first night working there, yeah. essentially. <laughs> this is his first day. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they're trying on dresses. One of them says, oh, it's not too tuna, is it? 
What does that fucking mean? I, I was a little confused <laughs> by that. And what else? Was, I have a new name for us. Masters without slaves. Yeah, and Amy's confused as to what that means. And it's never explained no. what that means. I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's in keeping with the master race thing she was going on about earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Um... Amy wears some lingerie, and I don't know if you agree, but it was giving me Sigourney Weaver in Working Girl. No, I can't say that's what came to mind. You know the scene where she's broken her leg and she's trying to seduce Harrison Ford um, to get him to uh, ask her to marry him? I know know what you mean, but Working Girl never came to mind once during this film. But she's poor Amy is slut-shamed by the other two. Uh-huh. For no apparent for wearing lingerie. Yeah. Okay. They're not like, you know, nothing's really on show. It's, it's, no. it's lingerie. It's nice lingerie. You know, Sigourney Weaver wore it and working girl, so it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> Kirsten wears a pink bathing suit. It's a mm-hmm. one piece bathing suit. And she gets loads of compliments. Yeah. She's like, Oh, you look fantastic, wonderful, perfect for the boys. And it's like, why is a bit of classy lingerie? slutty but her in a bathing suit and i mean and this is christmas time they'd both probably be cold yeah the heating's been switched off it's night time um but she gets compliments yeah i really don't like kirsten do you know who else doesn't like kirsten uh-huh. one of the three young fellas that's true coming to visit that's true and he is he is afraid of uh of kirsten and because of that that makes him an f-slur yeah he's the three men are making their, making their way to the department store. And one of them says, I don't even want Kirsten. She's a bitch. <laughs> to which one of his friends so lovingly says, you're just a F-slur. You're afraid of her. Right? Yeah. Okay. So again, we, we see what we're dealing with now. This uh-huh. dialogue, these writers. Yeah. Um... Kirsten doesn't want him either, as she's saving herself for someone special. Yes, she is. Because she's the Nazi virgin. Yes, she is. again, conveniently. Uh I mean, she's a girl of a certain age, you know. I'm I'm assuming her friends aren't virgins. Mm. So, I mean, it's very convenient that she's still a virgin after being cut in the woods by Bauble. And bring in the elf because the elf can only procreate with a virgin. Uh huh. Oh, it's complicated. Um, Mike finds them and agrees not to report them as long as they don't steal anything. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they tell him that they don't believe in Santa Claus, so he says, That's a shame. Kid, the youth is day. They don't believe in anything anymore. <laughs> they have fucking jobs, Dan Haggerty. They are grown ass women. Of course, they don't fucking believe in Santa Claus. But also, yeah, of course they don't believe in anything. They've looked at you, <laughs> you know, an ex-cop who's down on his luck, admittedly, but like, oh, so everything I own could be gone, <laughs> you know, because of, you know, his alcohol ad- addiction mm. that's not helped, and then he's homeless. Yeah. They say, well, what do the youth have to look mm-hmm. forward to, boomer? 
Um, the boys are getting annoyed that the doors won't open. One of them's getting really annoyed. <laughs> that's like, oh, that's his hormones. <laughs> what? The girls hear people trying to break into the building, and one of them says, God, what horn dogs? But it's not the boys. It's Nazis. Just before that bit, I don't know if you got the dialogue, because they were talking a load of shit. But one of Kirsten's friends, I think it was uh, Brooke, um, she asks her how she's going to stop the boys. Mm -hmm. If she's saying, oh, she's saving herself for someone special. Yeah. I was like, well, how are you going to stop the boys? By using consent. And Kirsten says, well, she'll just say no. Yeah. As uh, the, the the boys don't know how to handle it when a woman says no. And I thought, fucking hell. Uh, like, that is some fucking icky dialogue. It is. The three men uh -huh. as well. And it, it does matter it does. who wrote the it film. Does. It does matter. Yeah. And that is coming from a place of three grown-ass mm -hmm. men. You know, I don't know if their um, sexual orientation. But still, fucking hell, they wrote that shit. You don't know their sexual orientation. I can assume. <laughs> I can assume. That's some fucking icky yeah. dialogue. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, the, the Nazis arrive, um, they plan to kidnap Kirsten and find the elf so the master race can finally be made real. Uh, with Mike's help, Kirsten escapes with her life, though her friends are not so lucky and are murdered. One of them by the Nazis and the other by the elf. Yes, um, luckily for Mike and uh, Kirsten, there are conveniently placed guns lying around in the, the, yeah. in the ladies' lingerie yeah, department. For some reason. For some reason. Um, Amy's killed in the elevator, mm -hmm. still in her lingerie, of course. And uh, Brooke is chased slasher film style by the elf and killed with a knife. The symbol from earlier scrawled in, bro uh, in blood next to her. Mm -hmm. um, question. Scary looking elf. Big teeth. <laughs> Scratched Willy. Yeah. <laughs> Scratched Willy earlier. What the fuck is he using a knife? For? I know. <laughs> and it's such a tiny shitty knife. Tiny well. shitty knife? What was the fucking point? <laughs> oh, wait, it's because your fucking elf costume don't fucking move. <laughs> um, both Mike and Kirsten are promptly fired for breaking into the store after hours. And luckily, just so we can get this fucking film over and done with. It gives them time to devote to unwrapping it does. Fuck the plot. Fuck making money, especially Mike, who's homeless. Uh, the manager even attempts to hit Kirsten because a friend bled to death all over his floor. Yes. In 50 years, this has never happened. No. In this department store. <laughs> it's the fun, literally, the, fun, the only funny thing is that dialogue. Um, strangely enough, the detective in charge... Of not only Santa's murder, but these two other murders, gives Mike and Kirsten, two people who have been in close proximity to these murders, and maybe had a reason for at least the first murder, he gives them 24 hours to solve the case. It does, yeah. <laughs> before he arrests them. <laughs> Rightfully arrests both of them. As if that's not weird enough. Brooke, her corpse has literally just been left in the store. So after the after the scene finishes with them having the talking to and whatnot, 
Alf sneaks back into the store and starts chewing on Brooke's fingers. Why is the corpse still there? I don't get it. I feel like that was edited out of place. I feel like that should have been Completely like 10 minutes ago. Place. That should have been, yeah, after she was killed. Yeah. Not, yeah, completely out of place. So I was, conf I was confusion. Yeah. At Kirsten's house, <laughs> her grandfather acts even weirder than he has been for the rest of the film whilst talking to Mike. And Mike finds this symbol, this symbol he's been on about the whole time, randomly and conveniently written on a door frame <laughs> in their front room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kirsten's mother's not happy that Mike's there. So she tries to call the police to report Kirsten spending the night with a man twice her age. <laughs> Bit fucking harsh. I don't think Dan Haggerty was that old. <laughs> what, say she was 18? Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah 36. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, she looks like she's in her late 20s. Oh, it was so much older than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was probably twice her mum's age. It's true. <laughs> After making a Christmas Eve visit to the local college library... Uh, where he knocks a random student's books over. Uh, he goes to speak to an expert on elves and Nazis, and he later breaks into a professor's home to demand information, making him realise what is afoot and sets out to protect Kirsten. So, at the library, we get a little bit of the Nazi-based history. Yeah. And some great dialogue. So Mike says... Do you think there can be an elf court or a sect crazy enough to kill people? The librarian, I mean, complete opposite energy to Dan Haggerty. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. Yeah, he is. Hamming it up. Yeah. Chewing the scenery. Oh, no. But about 50 <laughs> years ago, there was a group that believed in elves that did one hell of a lot of killing. The Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. They believed in elves. Oh, yes. They believed in a lot of things. You know, <laughs> if you could ignore their brutality, you'd have to say there was just a bunch of crackpots. <laughs> well, I think I've seen an elf. Do you think I'm a crackpot? <laughs> Are you asking if I believe in elves? No, I don't. But God did. What the fuck is he going on about? <laughs> The acting's here, there, and everywhere. And who's your favourite? What he's saying is here, there, and fucking everywhere. The point of this scene, I've no idea. Well, who's your favourite? Is it the uh, librarian, or is it the uh, professor with the really stupid kids? It's the professor with the really stupid like, kids. As soon as we see him, the kid's like, Daddy, is that roast beef? And he's like, no, it's roast turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the scene, she's like... Daddy, what's Alf's? And he's like, Alf's! <laughs> what's crazy about the professor is that he can recite a lot of Nazis <laughs> slash elf-based knowledge just off the top of the head whilst he's carving a turkey. <laughs> the librarian, for all his faults, at least had to, like, look at books yeah. to help him. Mm -hmm. But I, this professor, I would have got a background check on him. Yeah. Because he knew a lot. About Nazi <laughs> elf history. Um, Kirsten's mum finds out about her friends dying. And decides the best thing is to read Kirsten to filth. <laughs> now, I know you got this down. I didn't. Yes. So if you'd like to let everybody know. But she's like, oh yeah, I know you were telling the truth. The police told me. So Kirsten hugs and you think, oh okay, they're just going to drop the way she is, and she's going to be a reformed character. 
um, yeah, you, you think this is her big moment. She's like, you remind me of your father. You're a lot like him. Attractive, you're bright, independent, impulsive, self-centered, narcissistic, and I know exactly what's been going on. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? She goes on to tell her off for being in the department store. Kirsten demands to know why she hates her so much. She wishes she was dead and wishes her father was still alive. And <laughs> the best reveal ever. Kirsten's mother's like, go down to the office and you'll see him. And Kirsten's like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, your grandfather is your father. <laughs> like this big melodramatic soap opera reveal that she is the result of inbreeding. See, what made me laugh is... She thought she was given Faye Dunaway in Chinatown. <laughs> what she was actually given was Faye Dunaway in Mummy Dearest. It's true. <laughs> now, I, I appreciated that. <laughs> it's camp. Chris, the cousin obviously, you know, goes to speak to her grandfather about what the fuck is going on. Um, should I say father slash grandfather? Yeah. And uh, he was like, Oh, it wasn't traumatic for her at all. I'd never hurt my own daughter. She was drugged, unconscious. I took no pleasure in it. What the fuck? And but the way the scene is directed, did the director seriously think the audience was just gonna be like, oh, okay, that's all right then. <laughs> at least she was unconscious. Yeah, like this grandfather is a reformed character. Yeah. What the fuck? What is he? Why? It's even worse. It's just. It's a question throughout the whole film. Why? Yeah. Why? What is the reason? What is the purpose yeah. of this? So yeah, Kirsten's grandfather tells Kirsten all about how he impregnated his daughter. Mm. And um, she, obviously horrified, runs away, mm -hmm. goes to her room. Willie's there. <laughs> and he's got his own issues. As the... <laughs> As there doesn't seem to be many presents under the tree. <laughs> and I really felt for Kirsten. I really felt for Kirsten throughout the whole bit. The, the whole bit at the beginning, I'm just assuming she, her wording wasn't great. Mm. The whole, you know, master race thing. Didn't appreciate it. She should learn to choose her words better. But she, she gets put through some shite yeah. during the film. She's just found out her history, runs to her room, and she has to console her brother because there aren't enough presents. In the tree. We won't get many presents. There doesn't seem to be many under the tree. Um, meanwhile, Kirsten's meanwhile. mother... Kirsten's mother uh, is auditioning for Wild at Heart. Um, she prepares herself a glamorous bath Whilst doing some fucking messy lipstick and having a cry in the mirror before she starts, uh, she was eliminated from Drag Race, so she starts writing something on the bathroom mirror <laughs> with the lipstick. This was a year before Wilder. I know. Um, then a car explodes. <laughs> yeah, we were a little confused by this, weren't we? Yeah. So the Nazis tried to kill Mike. Now, I thought they'd try and run him off the road. Mm hmm But apparently they put a bomb in his car. 
Where? I don't know. I don't know where. I Somehow it. he escapes a lot. He escapes. Uh. He does his Chuck Norris moment. <laughs> jumps out the car. The car explodes. Then he <laughs> channels his inner Chuck Norris even more by uh, beating up one of the Nazis and killing him. Not well. He, before he kills him, he says. What are you, a goddamn Nazi or something? Yes, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. you've been told this the entire fucking <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah. He is a fucking Nazi. Congratulations. Well, he's either a Nazi or an elf. <laughs> you know, in this film, it's one or the other. Um, Now, this another bizarre series of events. Kirsten's mum's body double in a bad wig <laughs> gets into the bath whilst listening to some opera on the radio. Yeah. The elf turns up and pushes the radio <laughs> into the bath where she's electrocuted. In a very camp way. Very camp. Maybe my favourite scene in the film. <laughs> what confused me is that very... So, getting into the bath, yeah, we get a bomb shot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a body double in a bad wig. Uh, do you remember that episode of The Golden Girls when Rose starts doing... Uh, cartwheels and mm -hmm. flips on the dance floor. It's the same wig. Yeah. It's the Rosen Island. Um, but when she's electrocuted, it kind of... Is it the actress? I, I feel don't like know. it's actually the actress. I don't know. Like, the actress didn't like her bum, so she got a body double for her ass. <laughs> uh, you know. We all have our insecurities. You know, I'm not shaming her. But then did the kind of full frontal bath. Yeah. Electrocution. Yeah. I thought that was really strange. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, yeah. She was given Angie Dickinson, actually. Thinking <laughs> of body double, dress to kill, wigs. Yeah. Uh, Mike, Kirsten, Willie, yeah, and... This was influenced by dress to kill. Uh, we need to watch dress well... to kill. Oh, can we can we do dress to kill in the new year? For well, potentially. I'm not going to spoil it on this episode if we are. Um, Mike, Kirsten, Willie, and her father slash grandfather have a final climatic showdown with the Nazis and the Alf, uh, starting in Kirsten's home. Um, when the Nazi shows up, he starts filming them and introducing the family for some reason. Um, but then Mike, being the action hero that he is, jumps out and starts fighting him. And uh, <laughs> the Nazi says, Now that hell is full, I wonder where you will go. What's up? Talking like that. Shut the fuck up. How, who are you to judge anyway? <laughs> um, my favourite line of dialogue from this scene is when Willie asks, is everything all right? <laughs> <laughs> and Kirsten says, no, Willie. Gramps is a Nazi. <laughs> they then, because the film isn't tasteless enough, draw this symbol that mm -hmm. Mike's been going on about the whole film they draw it onto the breast of the picture from earlier, yeah. the um, antique Christmas virgin. They draw that on and it becomes a swastika. I'm like, okay. Wow, big reveal. Big reveal. Like, what? Oh, again, you know, just trying to be tasteless. Um, Kristen's father and grandfather and Mike and a Nazi are all killed. Is Mike... Is Mike is killed. not killed, is he? Yeah, he's shot. Shot by a Nazi. He's shot? Yeah. But you don't see him again. No, we do. When? He gives Willie the elf stone. Does he? Yeah. Oh, so okay. It's, ex it's explained that Kirsten needs to destroy the elf by performing a ritual involving an elf stone 
from her grandfather's study. So they go into the woods, her and Willie go into the woods, followed by the Nazi, Nazis killed or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, oh, no, not whatever. The elf shoots the Nazi. Oh, he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then he tries to give Kirsten a cockroach as some sort of gift. Then Kirsten realises that the elf stone is in her grandfather's study. Yeah. Because we're not quite reached an hour and an hour no. and 20. So we need to fill the pad out the film mm-hmm. a little more. So then Willie goes back to the office to grab the elf stone to help save the day. Mike's there. He's like, oh, <laughs> you need to save the day now. I've been <laughs> shot. Hands him the elf stone. Then he goes back, he fetches the elf stone, and, you know, the elf is... So, obviously, the idea is that the elf needs to um, procreate with Kirsten. Mm-hmm. So, he starts touching her inappropriately. Well, you say that. He starts touching her face inappropriately. I think her legs as well. Really? It's very dark. Again, Either it's way. very dark. The quality is not great. Either way, it is important. Well, tasteless. It's important to remember that within the time frame and with what we see, there's no way it went any further than a touch on the face or a touch on the leg. Yes, there's no way. There's no way. Which makes something happen shortly absolutely bizarre. Yes. So the elf stone's fetched. Kirsten has the elf stone. She does the ritual. And, I kid you not, our final girl says, die, you little F-slur, before killing the elf off. Mm Mm-hmm. I cannot for the life of me think why that was the word they thought of. What? Why is that the... Like, I understand it was a word more freely used. I understand that in the 80s and into the 90s. Yeah. Too foul, you know, fucking hell. Um, I do understand that. But where has this come from? What is this? Like, it's usually used with obnoxious people Mm. or, you know, in playful banter between... I, uh... Playful banter. Well, yeah, in the 80s way. Basically, homophobia yeah. was more acceptable back then. Yeah, exactly. But it's usually given to certain characters. This is given to our final girl. Our final girl. And, like, I just, I don't get it. Like, at, at that exact moment, honestly, I kind of wish the Alf just shot up and murdered her. Like, <laughs> yes. I didn't give a shit. I don't want to survive. Well, spoiler alert, she was going to be my biggest queen. But she definitely fucking no. wasn't after that. Like, I know you've been through a lot, Herm, but there's no excuse for that homophobic language. And there's nothing to insinuate that the elf was a homosexual anyway. But this is the thing, and this is what makes me think that it's... The whole thing was an allegory for HIV and AIDS. Yeah. 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 The following morning, Kirsten huddles in the snow. Um, Well, yeah, I was about to say it. Uh, Huddles in the forest uh, in the snow. 
It's just starts snowing for the first time. Well, the forest is destroyed for it some is. reason. We get really shitty effects, don't yeah. we, after the elf's killed and whatever. Yeah, Willie says, what happened? And she says, shh, it's snowing. <laughs> Why is it going to be quiet because it's snowing? No idea. But it ends on the image of a fetus suggesting that the plot was successful despite the elf clearly not doing anything with Kirsten before it died. Yeah. I, that makes no sense. Because they thought they might get a sequel <laughs> to this shit. I mean, Thankfully it's not. insulting for it them is. to think they would get a sequel. Yeah. What would you even call it? Elves 2. Well, it should have been Elf and then Elves. Yeah, that's Elves. <laughs> that's the Elves. Really, just... I, I I generally thought it was awful. And the more we've discussed it, the more tasteless I found it to yeah. be. And, you know, th there's a way of doing these things. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we're not prudes. Um, but there is a way of doing these things. And it just felt so forced. Mm -hmm. So insincere. Stupid. Yeah. Really insulting to the audience. Quite homophobic, misogynistic. Yeah. Just, yeah, I thought it was putrid. Yeah, I've, um, it's definitely one of those films that at the time I kind of thought was hilarious and was a trash to piece, but then you kind of, when you talk about it more and the more little pieces start coming together as to what was actually going on here. Uh, no, this is just a bad film made by bad people. Yeah, out of context, there are moments in the film that are quite camp and yeah. and, and silly and stupid and funny, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not denying that. But as a full product, yeah, it just left a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to the awards. Yes. Biggest queen I have. None other than... Agamemnon. Rest in peace. Oh, yeah, of course. God bless her. Uh, I put Amy. She was a girl who knew what she wanted. She slayed in her Sigourney Weaver lingerie, despite the slut-shaming, and she also didn't use homophobic slurs. She didn't. she didn't. I would have come out to her. I reckon she was an ally. Yeah, Definitely. I hope so. Uh, biggest gasp. I have Kirsten's mother murders Agamemnon. Definitely. Definitely. That's yours? Um, it, it, yes, but special mention to um, Kirsten's homophobia at the yeah. end. I mean, it caught me off guard. Best dialogue I have, and, and this is a tough one, but I had to go with the with the OG. It is, of course. Yeah, and you got fucking big tits, and I'm going to tell everyone I saw them. There's some, there's some out of, again, out of context, some of the dialogue is very, very funny. Um, I went with no Willie, Gramps is a Nazi. <laughs> Special mention to Santa said oral, though. <laughs> and that's camp. Could have been anything with Kirsten's mother, but I'm going with... No, Kirsten, your grandfather is your father. <laughs> Uh, I went with Kirsten's mum's death scene. Had to yeah. be. Had to be. And for ratings, I give it two big fucking tits out of ten. Rating, I give it one homophobic final girl out of ten. 
Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash or basic. I had trash the piece initially, but I'm going to change that right now. It's trash. It's trash. It is trash. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone watching it. No. Watch like one of these bad movie yeah. Bible review things on, and just see like the best bits and you, you're kind of grasped the, the whole film anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's not available to actually spend any money on anywhere. Thankfully, it's only available on YouTube in the UK. Um, and if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out The Gate. It's a far superior 80s creature feature teen film. Um, the homophobia is still in place because thanks 80s. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's, uh, aside from that, it's not as jarring it's, and it's a lot more fun. Yeah, I I struggled with this one. I said, if you enjoyed this, watch the Puppet Master movies. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not a huge fan of them, but if you like inexplicable Nazi subplots, then it's your thing. And I think they're far less homophobic. Well, oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I think less misogynistic. Maybe. So. Let's, let's not go on record saying that. Oh, though. some, you know. We've only seen two of them. Gay directors <laughs> or, you know, gay people involved. And, yeah. If you've uh, been unfortunate enough to see Alves, let us know on social media. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm Delight Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And don't forget to check out our Gasp Horror Film Festival taking place in June next year. We are only two months away from the lineup reveal, so yes, very keep exciting. an eye out for that. Um, yeah, give us a rate review and subscribe on iTunes if you're in a festive spirit, like a follow on everything else. This Friday, to complete double episode week, and to complete our fucking marathon of just watching dog shit this month, uh, we will be discussing Rap City Street Kids Believe in Santa. Oh, very exciting. Very exciting. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if watching that for the podcast episode would make us fucking hate that as well. It seems to be a pattern this month. I don't think there's anything too iffy. With Rhapsody Street Kids. Hopefully not. We'll, we'll soon find out. And next week's also double episode week. And we'll be back on Tuesday with our top 20 best horror movies of 2022. <gasps> the one you've all been waiting for all year. <laughs> and uh, Me? <laughs> next week on Friday, it will be our final original versus remake episode of the year. Our final episode of the year. A New Year's Eve special. The day before New Year's Eve. It'll be Terror Train. <sighs> Going up against this year's Terror Train. Ooh, little Jamie Lee Curtis. Been a while since she, we yes. saw her on the podcast. About a month and a bit. Yeah, it's yeah, quite lengthy. <laughs> anyway. We'll be back same time, same place on Friday. See ya.